I usually go to the 10 o'clock service, um, so maybe an introduction is in place. Um, I'm Anders Schernstrom, and I'm one of those Swedes in the church who really can say I am a Swede. Uh, in 1999, maybe around September, was probably the first time I set my foot in this church. Um, I came as an exchange student to North Park Seminary in 1998. And at that time, it was a very good-looking youth pastor of this church um, whom I fell in love with, Anna Rosenberg at that time, uh, became my wife. And here we are uh, many years later and three children later. Um, I have been a member of this church since 2010, and uh, my daily uh, job is as a hospice chaplain with Unity Hospice in Chicago. Um, I usually get the opportunity to, to uh, be up in the pulpit once every summer, so I'm glad to be here. They have been together for more or less nonstop three years. They have seen him teach, they have met individuals and groups, and they have seen him perform miracles. He has first asked them what other people are saying about him. That is interesting to stop and think about and to discuss. But what really matters in this text is when Jesus asks the disciples, who do you say that I am? Lord, come with your spirit in this part of our sermon and open our hearts. Let us hear from you. Let you come in and touch us. Annoy us. Stir us up a little bit, but most of all, bring us closer to you. That's the whole purpose of this part of our service, uh, to focus on you, Lord. Pray all these things in your name. Amen. We are gathered at church this morning. We have come to sing, to worship, and maybe meet some friends. The question Jesus asked his disciples here is important. It's important for us to answer it too. Who do you say that I am? The way you receive him and see him is going to impact the way you relate to him. And it's, I dare to say, one of the most important questions you're asked in your life. Well, let's stop and, and, and ponder this a little bit. What are the options for who Jesus really is? A classic way of looking at this is summed up in three words, legend, liar, or lunatic. So let's stop and go into them one by one. First one, Jesus is a legend. It's all made up. He didn't exist. Well, a very small minority today believe this. Intellectually, I dare to say you cannot hold this position. Why? because there's more historical proof of the existence of Jesus than on any other person in human history. There are very few, if any, serious historians today doubting the fact that there was a man named Jesus in Israel at the time where the Bible historically places him. You can read about Josephus, Suetonius, who are uh, historians from that time when Jesus did uh, walk around there, who talk about a man named Jesus. They were not Christians, 
Josephus was a, a Jewish a historian. Suetonius was a uh, Roman. But they all mentioned this man. Who he was, that's another question. But Jesus walked around there in sandals uh, in the, party, the part uh, of Israel uh, that we read about him in the Bible. Second one, Jesus was a liar. Well, if you have that, this standpoint, then you will probably feel that he deceived people into thinking he was someone he was not. Yes, Jesus was a good moral teacher. He was a good person who did good things, but he was not God in flesh. This position is not even an option. Because if Jesus claimed to be God, and if he wasn't then a liar, I'm sorry, if Jesus claimed to be God, and if he was a, a liar, that can't make sense. A good person don't go around living a lie. Also, if Jesus was lying, then he died because of this lie. That doesn't make sense at all. If you're making up these things, which I don't believe he did, but if Jesus made up all these things, he, he came before Herod. Herod asked him who he was. He came before Pontius Pilate. He asked him who he was. He didn't say anything. He was willing to die for this if it was a lie. It never happened. So this lie alternative falls short too. Third one, Jesus was a lunatic. He was off in the head. Maybe sincere, but crazy. Mentally ill. But again, read Jesus' words. See how the people marveled who met him. They said, where does he get his wisdom? The most brilliant minds that ever lived have studied his words for centuries. And they have only scratched the surface of the depth of his wisdom. They have pulled their hair and no one has really understood this man. I once had a lecture at North Park Seminary where we talked about one verse for three weeks with Professor Klein Snodgrass. And we still didn't understand it because Jesus is a mystery in himself. Well, this whole discussion is best summed up by C.S. Lewis. You might have heard the name C.S. Lewis. Who was C.S. Lewis? C.S. Lewis was a British literary professor at the University of Oxford. He uh, was an atheist. And he was, in, he was a professor in classic English literature. And he thought the Bible was such a hoax, so he was going to study it to really put it out there how bad it was. And in the midst of doing it, what happened? C.S. Lewis found Jesus to be true and real, and be, he became a Christian. After that, he became a very productive uh, author. He wrote a lot of books up to this day. This was in, in the 50s and earlier even. Uh, up to this day, he's one of the brightest uh, Christian minds when it comes to defending the Christian faith and, and explaining why it's true. So in his book, Mere Christianity, who is a classic, if you haven't read it, I can uh, strongly recommend it. He's, quoting, he's uh, saying these things that I'm quoting. Uh, I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him, about Jesus. 
I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. This is one of the things we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said a sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level of the man who says he's a poached egg, or else he will be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either the man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He never intended to. So at the end of the day, do we believe in our hearts the same thing Peter said, that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God? This is where it all becomes crucial. What implications does this have for your life? I am at times a very emotional person. Um, when I sing certain old hymns, like one we sang earlier who has Swedish origin, or even some modern worship songs with lyrics that really touches my heart and soul, I get tearful. I get that because I believe that this Jesus is the Son of God. How about you? Do the songs and the readings touch your heart? Is Jesus the Son of God? In my daily job as a hospice chaplain, I meet individuals who are about to die. Many of them have church background, but still there are different ways they look at the approaching death. Some of them are, of course, at peace with what lies ahead. They know and they trust that Jesus will, when that time comes, come and, and put them, his hand around them and lead them home to be in heaven, paradise, the kingdom of God, or whatever we want to call it for, for all eternity. But I also have patients that I meet who are afraid of dying. They might have been in church all their life. They have sang all these hymns. They have read all these Bible stories. They know about Joseph and his brothers. They know about Noah and the ark. They know about Peter on the road to Damascus. They know it all. But they have not accepted Jesus as the living Son of God. In the church tradition that we, the Covenant Church, belongs to, we talk about the importance to receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. This is what this text is all about. You have to make a personal decision about what you think about Jesus. You can't walk away from it. There was a very liberal theologian named Rudolf Bultmann, uh, whose ideas I don't like. Uh, I can talk to you later about what Bultmann said, but he was the father of what has been called a demythologization. Uh, what that is is a fancy theological word, basically, that most of the miracles in, 
in the Bible, or specifically in the gospel that Jesus did, didn't really happen. Uh, Bultmann means that it was more like on a, on a ideological level. It was, for example, when, when um, uh, 5,000 men was fed by, by those loaves and fishes, it didn't really happen. What happened was when this little boy came uh, with those th gifts to Jesus, everyone opened their hearts and really showed that they had food. That's what Bultmann says. I don't believe him. I don't like anything he said except this. He said one thing that I agree with. It doesn't matter whether or not Jesus was raised from the death in history as long as he has not risen in your heart. Say it again. It doesn't matter whether or not Jesus was risen in history as long as he has not risen in your heart. I encourage you to look at the legend, the liar lunatic, and make your decision. Who was this Jesus? It's like we sing, or are they saying in that old rock song, who are you, who, 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 who are you? That's the question. Who is Jesus? Don't walk around it. Maybe you've been here in church for years. You like it here. It's nice. You have friends here. But the question about Jesus has been scary. I encourage you to make a decision this morning. Maybe you made it in the past that Jesus is the Son of the living God. And let it show in your daily life. I believe in Jesus who died for us to give us life. We have a Lord who the Bible says conquered death so that we may live. Jesus loves you, and he wants you to let him know who you think he is. Jesus wants, wants you to change your life day by day by having you become a little bit more like him. This text is long, and it keeps on talking about building the church on Peter, on the rock. That's in one way a sermon in itself, so I'm not going to go there too much. But it talks about building it on someone who has accepted Jesus. Jesus wants to build the church on you and me. Um, as we read, it talks about we become a when we come to him, we become living stones in God's building. We are building the church together. And the way we look at Jesus makes all the, the uh, inf has all the matter in, in life. This is, as I said initially, one of the most important questions you're ever approached with. Who is Jesus? Don't walk away from it. Who is he? Amen.